Hey Gamer Nation, this is GM Chris. For those who may not have heard, this has been a sad week in the gaming community. Gary Gygax, the co-creator of the original Dungeons & Dragons, died on March 4th. He was 69. For some of us, Dungeons & Dragons was our first foray into the realm of role-playing. Even those who have never played Dungeons & Dragons must admit that without Gygax and his creation, the modern state of role-playing wouldn't exist. So, from one DM to another, rest in peace, Gary. Thank you. Thank you for being the person who created a world that has changed my life and helped make me the person I am. You're going to be missed. You know, Einstein once said that God doesn't play dice with the universe, but whether that's true or not, he sure as hell is playing D&D right now with Gary Gygax. Thank you, GM. A moment of silence for you. And with that, on with the show. Previously on the Order 66 Podcast. My fingers do hurt from, from you know. You strap one on. I mean, are whoa, you really going to be able to whoa, whoa. Cool. Let's not talk about strapping them on. I love it. But yeah, I mean, seriously, can you walk around with one of these things? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I love it. Taco Cabana is the most poorly run organization that reminded me of that movie Falling Down where the guy shot up the place. Hey, well, you know, you don't want to go postal. That could be pretty bad. Yeah, I know, I know, but I was, ah, oh, man, I was fit to be tied. Keep those rice rolling, Gamer Nation. We will rice? talk. Yeah, keep eating rice, Gamer Nation. I'm a little concerned just picturing that man living in a, a double wide somewhere on, like, Bespin. I wonder Bespin. if they have trailer parks in Star Wars. Tatooine is about my equivalent of trailer park. That thing is just... Oh, that would work. Yeah, you got, I, could see, I could see trailer parks on Tatooine. Tornadoes would start hitting. You know, tornadoes are attracted to trailer parks. That's right, man. Tornado magnets, they are. And we don't do. mean to offend anyone who lives in a trailer park, but... I do. If you take offense, stop listening. <laughs> we, lost seven, <laughs> we lost all seven of our listeners right there. <laughs> Probably. This is X5D4, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. It's against my programming to appreciate douchebags. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Welcome, hear ye, hear ye, one and all, to the Order 66 podcast. This is episode pi times three minus point two four. Uh, never mind. Episode nine. Yeet. Episode nine. I'm GM Dave. <laughs> what is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris, and welcome to the uh, ninth episode of the Order 66 podcast. And um, it's it's been a, another fantastic week, uh, wouldn't you say, Dave? I would, and uh, I want to comment just for a second on the passing of Gary Gygax. I, as well, was saddened to hear the news, and our yeah. thoughts and prayers are with the family, and we thought it apropos to uh, to put a little thing at the beginning of the show uh, just in, in remembrance of him. 
Great man, a great man. I, you know, I never had the chance to game with him or, or meet him, um, but I've actually met some some friends in the community who have, and they say he was a, a passionate fellow. Uh, whether you agree with his gaming style or not, uh, <laughs> he was he was a fellow that, um, that that loved what he did, and he certainly is an inspiration to to anybody who is passionate about about the gaming community and games in general. So, yep, a great yep. man who will be missed. Yeah. Aside from that, uh, pretty eventful week. Remember uh, last week we said. Uh, the weather was weird. I was like, "It's hot," and then it snows, and then it uh, then it rains, and then we have a tornado, and then it snows. Well, sure enough, man, it yeah, snows. It actually happened twice yeah. this week. <laughs> twice, yeah. We we seriously, we went an entire winter in Dallas without a flake of snow, which is not that uncommon. You know, we are in Texas, um, and of course, March. What was it? Fifth, sixth. We get like six inches of snow. It was just hilarious. Yeah, twice in a week. Twice, yeah. It was. Um, it, it it was pretty funny, but I mean, just I mean, in terms of of the show and the community itself, it's been it's been a great week as well. We've we've seen a lot more people subscribing to the forums. We've had a lot more subscribers on the podcast, and this community is just getting better and better. That's right. And um, well, want to thank all you guys for for taking the time to to become a part of this great community and and really share the love that we have um, for this amazing system. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, the, there's just so much influx of of mail coming in and, and postings. And um, speaking of mail, Dave, <laughs> I uh, I walked down to my uh, my post office box no, this morning. No, and, no, please, uh, God, I no! got I got a postcard oh. from Commander Cody. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, let's see. He wasn't dead. No, no. All right, let's see what manner of diatribe he has for us that it's mind-numbing enough. You, you realize the hate mail has stopped. We have gotten nothing but praise about the show. And we're just going to throw that right in the can, aren't we? Yes, we are. Well, let's see what Cody has to well, say. Well, okay. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. Alright. Uh, let's see. Well, this looks like it was very hastily written. <clears throat> oh, I missed his handwriting. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry I have not written in some time. The war has been very hard. But I have killed many separatist scum. Hooray! Today we are on Utupau. It is a very strange planet with very large holes in it. Hmm. The other clones were hawking loogies over the edges of the holes, and I stopped them, and they got mad at me. (laughs) But General Kenobi said it was okay. Hold on. There is an incoming message from Grand Chancellor Palpatine. Wait a second, they're on Utapau. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Um, well, it, he just comes... Uh, I must go now. P.S. General Kenobi says goodbye. Long live the Empire, Commander Cody. Wow. And that's it. Okay. Wow. That's a little bizarre, but... Uh, I think I might know what just happened. I wonder, are we going to hear from him again? I, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Being on Utapau, getting a message from the Chancellor, I think um, 
I don't know. Maybe the intro of our show comes to mind. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of some more legitimate mail, uh, some some more legitimate mail. Oh. Uh, you, you know, you guys have sent us a couple uh, email requests that we've uh, some questions that we've uh, managed to perhaps find some answers to, and uh, right, that should come back. Pay attention. It's time for mail call. That should bring us to mail call. Yes, most yeah. definitely. <laughs> All right, we've had two emails come in uh, that we've managed to find some kind of answers and pseudo answers for. Um, in particular, um, we had someone email in and ask us specifically about the redirect shot talent, which we actually covered in a prior mail call, but it was a, a related question. And uh, you wanted to know that um, when redirect shot is used to send a blaster bolt back to the enemy, um, do you apply your level bonus to damage or the level bonus that was the, the damage that was originally shot at you basically so you know if you have a you know a, a fourth level non heroic stormtrooper you know firing at you and they, you know, they get a plus two to, to damage and you're a level 12 you know jedi firing it back you know do you get at a plus two to the redirected bolt or a plus six um, and uh, the official developer ruling on this is that you will roll normal damage for the weapon and you will apply your level bonus to it uh, so very, very interesting. And considering the fact that you know that that's supposed to represent your your increased, I guess, accuracy and and potency as a hero, I think that makes sense, wouldn't you say, Dave? No, no. Why no. not? Here again, uh, my opinion is that you're redirecting it. It's pretty much like a mirror. I I, I tend to go with physics on this one. It's coming at you with a certain degree of damage if it hits you just because you happen to hit it with your lightsaber and send it back you know i we're not talking about baseball here where you're going to hit it farther or faster or whatever it's a blaster bolt for christ's sake i just i don't like it i don't like this rule it's you know but i mean it's wrong and and that's the way it is so the next game you run i will know how you rule it but that is the official dev ruling for those who wish to know i wish Uh, we had an official dev official dev But the second question we got in was regarding the vital transfer power. Um, And someone wanted to know, can you use the vital transfer power on yourself? Okay. Now, I dug around for quite a bit on this. Um, And unfortunately, the final answer, as far as the developer ruling, is kind of undetermined. In fact, we have mixed responses from developers. Um, uh, Gary, um, uh, actual uh, Gary Asselford, who's, who's one of the one of the developers, um, worked specifically on uh, on Starships of the Galaxy. He says that yes, yes, you can. You can use it on yourself, um, which uh, doesn't make too much sense to me. Now, Rodney Thompson, who uh, is one of the developers that worked not only on Starships of the Galaxy but also on the Core Rulebook, he says no. Um, I happen to agree with him. I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. And when you look at the actual wording of the Vital Transfer Power, it says specifically verbatim. You can use your own life force to heal another living creature using the force as a conduit. Um, That's how I would rule it. Um, That's kind of the point of the power. It doesn't make sense to me otherwise. Um, I would say go with your GM. I mean, obviously, they're going to be the final adjudication on that. But in terms of a developer ruling, it is mixed. But personally, that's my opinion. You can't use vital vital transfer power on yourself. I I would, too. I, I, I like Rodney's I like Rodney's interpretation. As a matter of fact, we're done with mail call, sort of, but I do have a surprise for you. And, what? Yeah, here it goes. Hey, this is Rodney Thompson. I'm the game designer over at Wizards of the Coast for the Star Wars role playing game. Just wanted to call and say that the Order sixty six podcast is awesome and I want to keep hearing more of it and may the force be with you. How about that? How long have you been sitting on that? 
I've been sitting on that one since uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, maybe. I mean, you it was punk. I know that is awesome, <laughs> dude. I I kind of feel like um, he called uh, he called the, he called the the voicemail line. He called the loser line. Yep. Oh my god! Which, by the way, is uh, two zero six six hundred loser L U S A. Yes, two zero six six hundred five eight seven two. That was Rodney Thompson. That was designer. Rodney Thompson. Yes. He left his he left his phone number and I called it back and it really said this is Rodney Wizards of the Coast. Yep, it was it was him. It wasn't somebody just yanking our chain. Oh man, I'm like <laughs> shaking over here. That's insane. I know. I left him a the, message hoping that he'll be on the show one day, but I don't know if Wizards well, will let him do it. Or I don't not, think but. Wizards will let him do that. But oh man, that's like so. Rodney Thompson is listening to this podcast. I know it makes me it makes me feel like uh, I, I keep invoking the instance of the War, Warcraft podcast when Mike uh, Morheim called into their show. They were like, "Oh my gosh, you know, it's like God is listening." And all of a sudden, I feel like God is listening because I mean, this is the guy that is on the first page of the books that I open, and there's his name. So now I have to be this on my is, best like behavior. A, this is like a sense of legitimacy. I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know either. So I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little stunned by it, but uh, surprised and happy, and you know, it's really, really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you for for calling in, uh, Rodney. Um, we appreciate your support, and we will. Um, gosh, we'll we'll do our best to to keep at it. That's right. And then uh, right behind his, I have another surprise for you. Hey, you love the show. Woo! All right, maybe not. You've heard oh, that one before. That's not a surprise. I've heard that, yes. <laughs> but we'd like to hear more of what you guys have to say. Please give us a call at 206-600-5872, 206-600-LUSA, and uh, speak your gaming mind. And speaking of speaking and speaking poorly and speaking well, um, I did manage to, although I almost didn't, almost didn't, um, I did manage to make it out to Tatooine this weekend for a very special sale. Oh, boy. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? (laughs) I just can't help but crack up every time I hear that. Oh, I'm happy for you. <laughs> well, I came back uh, from Wado's uh, this weekend um, with uh, this cool little gadget. It fits in the palm of my hand, and it is called a Vox Box. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, the Vox Box. Now, for those of you who have been playing Star Wars a while, um, all the way back to the to the West End Games uh, stuff, uh, Vox Box has had a very long history in Star Wars. And it's kind of a very iconic little unit, um, and it kind of uh, serves the function of allowing those who cannot speak basic to get by in the in the, the great wide galaxy um, that existed, you know, far, far away uh, on a long time ago. Um, Dave, what, what do you know about the Vox Box? Uh, this is near and dear to my heart because I play Wookiees more often than just about any other race. Very good for Wookiees, yes. So, yes, I, I am intimately aware of it. It is for the bargain price of 200 credits. Very lightweight, organ, uh, little organized little piece of Vox yeah, Box. It's like, a, it's like a tenth of a kilo, I think. Yeah, that's it. Um, you can put 12 pre-programmed phrase, uh, phrases on there. Yes, no, 
Um, I'm going to rip your arms out of your socket. You know, whatever you want to program on there. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, if you buy it off the rack, it comes with 12 program phrases that are that are you know very generic, like you know how much uh, you know I understand, you know yes, no, maybe greeting stuff like that. But right. as you mentioned, um, this can be reprogrammed with a simple DC10 computer use check, and you can take 10 on a computer use check, um, and you can reprogram these 12 phrases to say anything you want. That's and, right. And uh, this, as you mentioned, can allow for some some fun and, and hilarity all for all involved. I specifically remember GMing once a wonderful Wookiee uh, named Kachuk, ah. um, whose whose player will remain unnamed, <clears throat> yeah. uh, whose favorite phrase on his pre-programmed, uh, reprogrammed Foxbox was "I'll rip your arms off," and um, you know I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you use that to pretty good effect. He wasn't uh, he wasn't a, the nicest of Wookies, but you know he was a he was a Wookie Jedi. Yes, he was a Wookiee Jedi. And having a Wookiee Jedi say, I'll rip your arms off on one button, and then another, you must be one with the living force, was pretty goddamn funny, uh, if, I, <laughs> if I don't say so myself. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff you can do with a Vox Box, and uh, it's good to know it's there. Personally, for 200 credits, I think it's a wee bit pricey, um, considering a basic data pad is only, what, what 100 credits? Right. Um, but you know, and again, it's very lightweight and it's fully pre-programmable or re- re- reprogrammable. So that that's that's kind of nice. Or you could um, be, you know, you could hmm? be a Wookiee like in the party I was in, not with Kachuk, but the following uh, game that we had going on. Nobody spoke Shrewook and nobody oh. wanted to take it, and we had a little argument, and I wound up getting a Vox box. So yeah. And then it allows you to do just about anything. And, and even using it, you didn't even take time to reprogram it. Even using the 12 pre-programmed phrases, you were able to do just about anything you needed to do. And right. it was really handy. Um, also, and this is covered in the entry for the Vox Box, guys, you can get this in, in 12 phrases that are not in basic um, in any language. So I've seen this used effectively in games where if you're going to an obscure planet or you're dealing with a race that, that uh, speaks a language that nobody else does. Um, it can be a, you know, I mean, heck, you know, uh, a protocol droid is rather expensive. So instead of that, for 200 credits, you can get a, an easy, um, you know, no, no, no must, no fuss translator uh, with 12 pre-programmed phrases if, you know, you're going to uh, Celeste and, and nobody speaks Celeste. So, right. Yeah, basically. So it, it's the Vox Box. It's very cool. It's very lightweight, and it's it's uh, not too terribly expensive and uh, great for a lot of good role-playing aspects. So check it out. Yep. It's there for you. Let's talk about the boss. Let's talk about the Force, man. I'm so pumped. Um, we, we, me, me and Dave spent some time really going over kind of what we wanted to talk to you about the Force, and and the Force is, I mean, I guess you'll agree with me, Dave. It, it's it's one of the more important aspects of the Star Wars universe. It right. kind of relates to everything, and um, we started laying out everything we wanted to talk about, and it, it came to us very quickly that we just flat out couldn't do this in a single episode. Not enough time. There's not enough time. Um, but there's a lot of stuff we want to cover. Um, so we are going to be dividing this up. This episode, episode 9, is going to be the Force Part 1. Episode 10 will be the Force Part 2. Um, and this particular episode, we are going to be discussing things that pertain to light side Force users. Now, there's a lot of beautiful brokenness and funness and just a lot of things to talk about dealing with the dark side, but that will be discussed next episode. Okay, We're going to be discussing dark side of the Force, dark side powers, dark side points, how to award them, how to adjudicate them, uh, as well as balancing those aspects of the Force. And we're also going to get into some Force talents next episode. But uh, this episode, we're going to be focusing on some basics of the Force, uh, the use of the Force skill, and some cool Force powers and some not-so-cool Force powers <laughs> um, that can make or break your character. So, with that, um, 
I have. I want to take this time first off before we get into this to talk about a game aid that is available. Um, the Force Power cards. Uh, they're like the. I think they're like the second or third web enhancement that Wizards of the Coast released on their their main Star Wars role playing page, which you guys can find a link to at our website, of course, which is a uh, um, www20 and you can go to the link section and find a link to that if you don't know where it is. Go to the download section, and you will find all their web enhancements, and one of them is these these Force Power cards, which literally they print about six to a page, front and back, mm-hmm. and you can cut them out, and they have little hard hard and fast and very accurate descriptions of the force powers and they are updated to include the errata because the errata changed a lot of the force powers substantially i use these in every single game they're i use awesome. them for my pcs i use them for my mpcs you've used these too haven't you dave oh yeah they're great and it's one of those things that you know if you if you know one force power multiple times you can just grab several copies of the card and when you use it in an encounter just throw it down out of your hand and you know it's spent um, this is a, just a marvelous supplement. It's free, and it's right there at the Wizards of the Coast site. Right. So use it. Right on. Right on. Well, as we get into the Force discussion, um, there are two key abilities that relate to the Force, um, Charisma and Wisdom. Uh, charisma, of course, applying to your Use the Force check, and Wisdom applying when you're using your Force powers uh, relating to actually how many you can learn when you take that, that Force training feat. And so a lot of my players, when, when they're building their characters, they ask me, you know, what should I pump more? And, uh, you know, charisma versus wisdom, because the Jedis can tend to suffer from mad, you know, mutual attribute dependency. You want to try and, you know, not have, you, you can't have super high scores and everything. So if you have a, if you have a 10 and a 14, what are you going to put it in, the charisma or the wisdom? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, if you pump it into charisma, you're going to use the force well. If you pump it into wisdom, you're going to use the force more. And that's the bottom line. You want my personal opinion? I'm going to go wisdom over charisma every time, strictly because I believe that, you know, in the example of like putting a, a 10 in uh, charisma and a 12 in wisdom, or vice versa, I believe that 12, which is going to give me one extra force power when I take that force training feat, is worth more than a plus one to my use the force check, which when you, when you pick up skill focus, use the force, and you get trained and use the force, it's almost negligible. Um, you know, when, when you're talking about a, a plus 12 to a check as opposed to a plus 13, um, you know, at fourth level, you know, because of your charisma, that, that's not that big a deal for me. What do you think about that, Dave? I think you're right along the, the right path, the same path that I'm on. I mean, to me, this reminds me of the uh, Light Beer for Miller commercial. Tastes great, less filling, you know. Yes. Which one do you just want more? And I personally like using more powers. Uh, the plus one is good, but it's... It doesn't compare to me to be able to use a force slam and be able to use something else and something else as opposed to maybe just move object or just force slam or something like that. Yeah, and, and I feel you. Now, there are a couple uh, options where we're going to discuss later where you can you can have just one or two known powers and make it work through the entire counter. We're going to get into that. And if you're getting into that, you may want to pump the charisma if that use the force skill is going to be more important to you. But just keep that in mind. Well, let's talk about the Use the Force skill itself, um, or UTF. Um, UTF, obviously, is, is the, the keynote skill to all this. You can't use the Force without it. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever, aside from role-playing purposes, that you should not train in this. If you are not Force-sensitive at first level, and you pick up Force-sensitivity later, your next feat, at your earliest opportunity, should be skill training, use the force. Not only do you have applications of use the force that you can't access unless you're trained in it, but that plus five to the skill check is, is almost 
it's invaluable. It's, it's almost necessary. There's no reason you should not be doing that. Now, there's several things you can do with Use the Force. I mean, it's not just making a check to activate your powers. Um, it has many things in its own right. And even if you never learn any powers, you can actually use the Force to, to pretty good effect um, with several different things. And a lot of people are familiar with this. Um, and we want to talk about a few things that people don't think about. Um, one of the abilities you can use, uh, and even you, you can do so, and again, this is trained only, um, or, or excuse me, uh, uh, not trained only, forgive me, uh, this is not trained only, so you don't have to be trained to do this, is sense your surroundings. Um, this is a DC 15 check, swift action, and you can ignore cover and concealment before you make a perception check. Now, pause to think about that. What this means is that you can ignore blindness, you can ignore darkness, you can ignore concealment, mm-hmm. okay? Even a character with a 10 in charisma, no bonus, at 4th level, with skill focus, use the force, and you're trained, you can never fail this. Ever. You, you roll a 1, you will never fail it. Okay? And th- th- that alone makes it more than worthwhile. I, uh, one of the first, uh, I, uh, gosh, I guess it was the second game I ever jammed. Uh, we had a character, it was, it was kind of cheesy, uh, but it was a lot of fun. He made a blind character, and he asked me if he could do this beforehand. He was a blind soldier uh, with force sensitivity, and he would literally use this ability to just sort of ping, you know, almost like a radar. And he would use it to ignore cover and concealment, which of course is what blindness gives to you. And he would locate the target. Uh, with a normal perception check, and he was a grappler, and he would just get to them and just grapple them immediately. And it was it was kitschy, and it was role-playing chalked, and it was a lot of fun. So, one more thing. Um, what's another cool thing you can do that's not commonly done with Use the Force, Dave? Reach out with your feelings. Search your feelings. Search your feelings. <laughs> Um, nobody does this, man, and it, it pisses me off because it's it's one of the coolest abilities in the game. I keep forgetting it's there. Uh, exactly. Everyone does. That's why we're mentioning it. Uh, it's a DC-15 full-round action that is basically a 10-minute clairvoyance. If you're familiar with D&D parlance, it's basically augury, um, where you know for 10 minutes in the near future, you can, you know, uh, oh, is this action going to be good or bad? You should never not do this. Good grief. It's a full-round action. Do it before you open a door. Do it before you push a button. Right. Do it before you decide, you know, if you're able, before you decide to shoot somebody. Um, there is never a reason not to do this. Um, I played a home game recently uh, with, if you go to the forums, you'll see one of my, um, one of my remade characters, uh, Tebow, who is uh, a, an Ewok force adept, basically. Or in this instance, he's an Ewok scout with force sensitivity. Um, and he, he literally does this all the time because the way I role play him is he's technology is magic. He's afraid of it. He's scared of it. But he likes to push buttons. So if he gets to a computer console during the fight, the first thing he's going to do is start pushing buttons. And, you know, we have, we have a great GM. And so he's constantly, you know, okay, well, which button are you going to push, Tebow? And he'll take time and, and search his feelings and before, he, before he does something, before he pushes a button or opens a door. And it, it helps. It helps a great deal. <laughs> yes. Now, one of the things that I think you'll recall from our sessions, Dave, is one of the one of the more fun abilities you can do with use the force, and you have to be trained to do this. Um, is of course move light object. Oh, I love this one. We got out of such a jam with this one. This is kind of fun. Um, it's it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Again, DC fifteen check. Um, you can uh, for, to to attack. It's DC ten if you just want to like pull something to your hand, but that's easy. But you can actually move light object as an attack that does a D six of damage, and it's just a DC fifteen standard action. Um, and you can move anything up to five kilos, basically. Now this is line of sight, and it's basically an insta weapon. Uh, 
which is kind of cool. I mean, I think I think we uh, one of you, if I recall correctly, Dave, we had, we had two Jedi's in the party. One of you forced disarm the guy and had his weapon drop in the square at his feet, and the other of you used this to pick his weapon up and hit him with it repeatedly. Right. Um, which I thought was was pretty darn funny. It was one, uh, I, and I don't remember why we were doing. We were either badly outnumbered, we had no force powers left. I I don't remember what it was that caused us to get down to the point where we had to do that. To be able you to had get no out. ranged attacks. I recall specifically, you were on the opposite side of a ravine of these stormtroopers that were shooting at you. Um, you, it, it, it was very funny. Only one of you had deflect. The other one was a. I, I, he he wanted to go a force wizard route, so he had he had not taken deflect. He had taken one of the force talents um, because you guys were you guys were still very low level. You were like second level, right. and so literally he he couldn't he didn't have a ranged attack. He couldn't deflect, so he literally just yanked up this disarmed weapon and started punching the stormtrooper with it uh and it, that was that was pretty darn funny over and over and over again over and over and again now i want to take a point to to make a take, take a second to make a point here this attack and any attack you do with the force is not an attack roll um as we you know we troll a lot of forums and you know we we lurk heavily and a lot of people have talked about, you know, oh man, you know, you can make a a, a a Jedi scoundrel, and they can they can you know sneak attack with this, and that would be incredible. Okay, well, no, this is not an attack roll. And as you guys are optimizing your stuff, and we're going to come to this later on, there, there's various cross class things you can do, and talents from other classes you can bring in that that will add to to certain damage and stuff as you do attack rolls. When you're using the Force to make attacks, it is not an attack roll. Now, this is a Dev ruling, and it makes sense. Yeah. raw. You are not rolling an attack roll. You are rolling a skill check. Yep. And this is very important. You can't sneak attack with move light object because you're not making an attack roll. You're making a skill check. So there we go. Um, and then, of course, um, when you guys move into Jedi Knight, um, if you decide to go that route, um, you can pick up the improved move light object force technique, um, which allows you to do this instead of as a standard action as a move action, which means you can do this twice around. Woohoo! Woohoo! Well, Dave, shall we move into some some force goodness? Let's get into some uber good stuff. Yes, let's get into some uber force powers. Um, we really we, we're getting into the force power list. Um, there's a lot of great stuff out there, and there's a lot of not great stuff out there. And we want to talk about some stuff that's just really good for the money, um, almost too good for the money, or stuff that's just outright broken. Um, there's there's top of the list for me, um, and m- maybe you'll agree with me, Dave. Well, what's your opinion? When, when you're making a Jedi. Um, you know, or a force wizard. What are the top powers that you're going to want to put, you know, in that in that force power suite? Move object. Yeah. Far and away, number one. Mm-hmm. And we're we're going to get into more detail on move object here in a bit. Right. Now I'm I'm more of a combat guy, so I do more things like force slam and and whatnot. But um, I know what we're going to wind up talking about is more versatile type of uh, things like mind trick. Oh hey, my, mind trick. Um, Man, just for the sheer versatility of it, right? Uh, I think that should be like one of the you know. I mean, for for a role playing aspect, out of combat, um, it has some uses in combat too. But but out of combat, I mean, just mm-hmm. yeah, that should be at the, one of the top of your right. list, right? And then move object. I I honestly misinterpreted the rule, uh, you know, the the raw uh, details with move object, which you explained to me, and now now it is unquestionably. Well, we'll get into it here in just a second, but. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What other what other things do you like that you feel are just you know 
over the top well, goodness. We're not, we're, I mean, we're not going to go into, into this one in too much detail because it's pretty straightforward. But I think a vital transfer is almost a must. People tend not to take it. Um, I really don't know why. Um, there's no healing potions in this game. Okay, uh, if you want to heal and you're not a force user, it's not easy. And a vital transfer, if you're a Jedi, you can use this on somebody. Um, or not even Jedi. If you're force sensitive, you can use this on somebody and then just force meditate and and heal at an astounding rate. And it it has unbridled party benefit. And if you're you're hurting and somebody else is hurting worse and you don't want to take that half damage, spend a force point. You know you can do it and take no damage. It is it is truly a fantastic power. But I want to I want to talk about what is, in my opinion, and you just said you agree, the, the clearly a best power in the game, which is move object. Especially now that I understand how it works. Yeah. Um, arguably, undeniably, this is one of the best, most versatile powers in the game. Um, so let's talk about how to maximize it and, and as well how to nerf it uh, back to reality if you are a worried GM after hearing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know GMs that do nerf this power because it's so freaking awesome. And if you're not well, worried about it now, you will you be. You will be. You will. You will be. You will be. Will be. Oh. Well, Dave, tell us what you learned about this amazing power um, that's in the rules, but no one ever seems to, to, to notice it or remember it um, that makes it so awesome. That you can, well, two things. You can maintain it from round to round. I mean, I, I kind of, I knew you could do that, but. Never realized the implication. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't. I never realized the true implication that I, I you know, that one time. That and we're going to get into a game discussion here, and I don't mean to alienate anyone who has not been at the table with us. But I, I held a force user with with uh, with move object, and he wound up throwing his lightsaber at me. But he broke he broke my concentration. But still, it, the the possibilities of being able to hold him there indefinitely while my guy was trying to get his lightsaber through the door to open it was was good. But I didn't really understand what I could do with it. But yeah. the deal that really floored me was that when I move something across the room, say say I move something like a computer across the room and I roll a net 20 and I wind up with a 35 use the force check. It's not just a small object at that point. It is now, what, a colossal object in, in terms of damage? Yeah, and th- that's kind of that's one of the key things we want to talk about here. Now, this is an official developer ruling, guys. Um, as as is listen under the under the move object power, um, you have to hit a certain DC to move a certain size of object, and that size of object does a certain damage. Well, that's not entirely true. Um, it's not the size of the object that determines the damage; it's the use the force check. So, if you're moving a a tiny object, you know, a stone, and you manage to roll thirty five, okay, you're going to be doing you know, six die six, you know, five to six of, of damage with it. And the the dev ruling was basically, you know, it's not the size of the object necessarily that does the damage. You know, if it's a smaller object, then you're just moving it that much faster, like a bullet, basically. So you don't need to find a colossal object to move it to do colossal damage. If you make that use the force check, you could be moving a pebble and and have it hit with that amount of force. That is a dev ruling. Um, and that is huge. See, you can uh, tell those devs are guys because basically what they're saying is, Size doesn't matter. <laughs> size doesn't matter. It's speed. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not the size of the army. It's the fury of its onslaught. Oh, there you go. And that's pretty much the, the core of it. And also, as Dave said, you can maintain this power from round to round. You could learn this power once. I mean, I remember the first Jedi I ever rolled. I learned this power three times because it was so useful and didn't even think about it. You can really only need to learn this power once. Learn it once. 
pick up something the first round, slam it into something else, and just hang on to it, and then keep slamming it yeah. into things. If you so and want. that's what I was missing. I could pick this guy up, I can slam him into another stormtrooper, and then I can slam him into another stormtrooper, and then slam him back into the first one. That's what I never quite understood and grasped. Right. You know, I knew I could hold him in the air, but I never, never really grasped the possibility of being able to move him around the room and just keep slamming him against walls. Yeah, and and now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on the uh, the implications of the Jedi code when it comes to picking up a living being and then y- killing him and then using his corpse as a uh, as a battering ram. Uh, but we're gonna get into that next episode most definitely in terms of uh, awarding of dark side points. Mm-hmm. But okay, this is this could be pretty imbalancing. So how can you nerf it? If you're a GM that's worried about it and you want to bring this back down to reality, what can you do? Um, the number one thing I would recommend is how is a couple house rules. First of all, house rule that maintaining this power from round to round provokes an attack of opportunity. And the way I like to think about it is think of Yoda. Um, think of Yoda in Empire when he's lifting that X-wing out of the muck, uh, mm. you know, down there, right? Um, uh, you know, in the swamp, and and he's pulling it over. The look on his face, his eyes are closed. He's clearly concentrating as hard as he is, as he as he can, and. That speaks to me if you know how, that that level of concentration required to maintain it would deny you your reflex defense. Um, would, would deny you reflex bonus to, uh, or excuse me, your dexterity bonus to reflex defense. And I think that's a wonderful house rule. Maintain it; it provokes an attack of opportunity. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. Um, another house rule you may want to do is go against the dev ruling and say that you need the appropriate sized objects. Um, to do that level of damage, that can kind of make it a little easier. Uh, that's um, and that's the way I would go with that too. Yeah, I mean, it, otherwise it just becomes so powerful. Right. And in terms of just, you, again, you can also maximize this just by 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 proper encounter design. I mean, move object. It's one really downside is the fact that it has a six square range. You can only move the darn object six squares. Spread out your stormtroopers. <laughs> Bottom line, you know, don't put them within six squares of each other. You know, make make that force you to take more than one round to get the object to them if he's going to hit them with it again. Um, so yeah, proper encounter design and and can often overcome a lot of those problems as well. Right. Yeah. So. Um, one other point on move object before we move on. This was a question that was brought up in our forums. Um, if you're dealing with really big objects, i.e. colossal objects, and you hurl that colossal object down on a large number of squares that are housed by many different MOOCs, technically, raw, this is an attack against one person. So how do you resolve that? Is that I mean, because it takes up a huge area. Is it going to crush them? Is that an area attack, basically? My recommendation, um, and maybe you can agree with me on this, Dave, I think this power is powerful enough, okay? I don't think you should allow it to be an area attack. But just in terms of pure physics, it doesn't make sense that it would just not hit those people whose area it covers. Um, I would recommend using the splash damage rules that are already there in the core rulebook. Um, something that big, when it hurls down, it's probably going to break up into pieces anyway, so that, that kind of makes sense to me. I have one out of episode Oh, is it episode three? Mm-hmm. When Obi-Wan jumps down right behind Grievous and says, hello there. Which I think was totally insane, but he did it anyway. Yes, because he, he was a badass, and, you know, yes, we all want to be like Mike. Um, yes. He, the, the battle droids are coming up to him, or whatever those guys are that are wielding those force pikes or whatever the heck they had in there. Yeah, hand. yeah. And he dropped an object on, like, three of them. At the yeah. same time, crushed them all. So yeah. they're, you know, it's open to interpretation, in my opinion. I think a big object is going to do, I may only do half damage around the radius or something like that, but 
I would still allow that as an area of attack. Yeah, and it's a very situational thing, but if it comes up, you know, ch- check out, you know, if you and you got to if you're a GM and you got to make that on the that on the fly rules uh, decision, um check out the rules for splash damage. I I think it's very balanced. Yeah. Well, let's move on uh, to one of my other favorite, um, very straightforward, but rather underutilized basic powers. Um, maybe not under, underutilized by you, Dave. Oh, no. Um, but uh, this would be Battle Strike. Ah, yes. Now, a lot of people don't realize the use of Battle Strike. I mean, yeah, it's really, oh, wow, okay, I can make a use the Force Roll and just get massive bonuses to my damage. Um, a lot of people don't realize the fact that, per the wording, you can use this with any attack roll. Broken. Any attack roll. I wouldn't say it's broken, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty close. Um, this means that you could use this with a heavy blaster, with a, a uh, you know, a, a repeating blaster. You could use this with starship weapons, laser turrets, and Ithorian could use this with his bellow attack. Mm, and of course, grenades. you can use it with grenades. Yes. yes. And let me tell you, there is nothing Nothing like lobbing a thermal detonator with battle strike charged. With a good enough use the force check and spending a force point, you would do a total of 13 die 6 of damage. Broken. Well, it is a thermal detonator. You know, it's doing 8 die 6 on its own, but hey. Um, so, yeah, battle strike, fantastic, fantastic thing. Now, Dave, you discovered a really cool use for battle strike um, when your Wookiee took whirlwind attack. Oh, if I'm not yes. Mistaken. You can use it on multiple targets at the same time because it is a whirlwind attack, and we're making an attack roll against all the uh, yes, all the one attack in the roll. area there. So it yeah, is one is attack correct. roll, yeah. So yeah, per raw, you're only making one attack roll. So when you and now, granted, it, it, it takes some setup because it's a full round attack to do a whirlwind whirlwind attack, a full round action, and it takes you, you know, so you, right. you have to ready battle strike. So it would have to be done in the round. That prior, is a ready action, you know, right? I should have said yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. Well, yeah, but basically, I mean, you do it the round beforehand. And uh, you know, once you have that activated, it's kind of it's kind of a held charge, and then bam, you can just hit every target of your whirlwind attack with it, and that's really cool. And one more thing to mention: this is pure cheese. And um, as a D, as, as as GM, I would never allow this in my game, but it is legal per raw, uh, according to the wording of Battle Strike. Uh, once you use this power, um, it applies to your next attack. That's it. it. Doesn't matter when that attack is. So theoretically, you could. Activate this power at the beginning of the, when you wake up in the morning. When you're taking a shower, you could activate this power and hold it, um, or you could activate it before combat. And then the first attack you make would use it. Um, so uh. that's yeah, yeah. It, it, it's do, it's doable per raw, but it's cheese. And uh, if you're a GM, uh, I wouldn't allow it. So anyway, I wouldn't either. Yes, yes. Do we need to? Well, what, uh, no, go ahead. Oh no! It's, oh yeah, you were saying. No, I was going to say we need to get the courts involved. Yeah. God, <laughs> I I just had to shoehorn that drop in because I got it yesterday. I'm gonna take your little board away from you. Yep. God. Well, what power are we gonna move on to now, Dave? Oh, which one do we want to do? How about surge? Ooh, I like surge. Um, surge is really cool. Um, surge is better than a jetpack. You don't have to strap it on. <laughs> you don't have to strap it on. <laughs> we were not gonna talk about strap-ons. I heard that drop at the beginning of the show. Very bad. Why is surge better than a jetpack? Um, well, first of all, thanks to the lovely Errata, it is a free action now. So you can just go, bloop, and it, it's activated. And um, this is also in the Errata. It eliminates the running start uh, mechanic from the jump. So uh, so basically, if you're, if you're using it to jump, you act as if you're going from a running start. So what does this mean for you and me and every Wookiee who likes to activate it? It means that if you achieve the max DC 
on this, okay, which can be achieved um, as early as level one just by taking ten, okay, um, if you're trained and you have skill focus, use the force, um, and and you spend a force point, you can net a plus forty to your jump check at level one. All right, now plus forty to your jump check. If you take ten on your jump check, that's a fifty on your jump check. Yippee. That is fifty. That is sixteen meter jump from a standing start. Or five meters straight up from a standing start. Just boom. Yep. Um, and that is freaking awesome. Um, also, if you have that max DC, which again, you can achieve by taking 10 as early as level 1, and you spend a force point, you can get plus 8 squares to your base movement. And this lasts all round. Now that's very important. Because what this means <laughs> is that you could move 14 squares as your move action, and then charge as a standard action another 14 squares and make an attack. And I don't know many powers that will let you move 32 squares of movement in a single round and still be able to attack. Um, that's pretty freaking awesome. Yep. If I don't say so myself. Uh, and let's see. The, the last really, really cool kind of um, uh, uber force power we want to talk about um, is force stun. And we kind of left this for last because it's not something that's used very often. But And we're really going to get into this next episode more in detail. But one of the uh, biggest complaints I get from a lot of my, uh, my, a lot of my real heavy role players, um, and n- not much from you, you Wookiee Rage nut, Yep. Uh, but uh, from a lot of my real heavy Jedi role players, and this has been a concern expressed by several of you on the forums as well, is um, following the Jedi code when you use your powers. And you know, not not taking life unduly, and really, you know, and do, acting in in the proper way. And I think force stun is a power that allows you to not only do this well, but uh, do it in an uber fashion. Um, it is an unrealistically awesome power force stun that lets you not violate the code. Um, these are the reasons why. First of all, it goes against will defense. And will defense is typically the lowest of most of your foes. And as such, um, UTF checks will almost always outscale it, especially at low levels. It is line of sight, which is freaking awesome. Uh, If you can see them, you can drop them. And you can spam this power and and bring down an enemy without even hurting it. And I mean, hey, what Jedi Master would have a problem with that? (laughs) I know would. I know Yoda wouldn't. I know Yoda would not, no. Now Mace Windu Uh, might. It might, yes. Um, we, I mean, in particular, I know we had that game. Uh, we had one of our players, Dave, that was um, very much, you know, wanted to follow the code. And of course, you were playing a, actually a, a fabulous uh, Wookiee Jedi, and this was, of course, our, our first game together. That was struggling with his his raging heritage constantly. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, that was that was a character you had devastating attack with. So you would just slice and dice, and you would bring foes down the condition track, like the boom, 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 and they'd be, you know, two, three steps down the condition track. Um, and then this other Jedi who was, you know, the nice guy, uh, you know, kind of the good cop out of the good cop, bad cop scenario, right. he would, he would force stun and then bring him down. And so they weren't dead, but you know, they were, they were just unconscious. And then you could move on to a new target to, to, you know, bitch slap. And yeah, it was, it was very useful. It was, but I wanted to get out the meow. Cause the guy meow. was, you know, anyway. Yes. Anyway. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Don't, well, let's talk about um, one of the, what I consider to be near useless force powers in the game. Uh, this is barely worth it gets printed on. Um, and this is actually not a fault of the power, it's the fault of a separate mechanic. And what do you think I'm talking about here, Dave? Force disarm. Yep, you read my mind. I do read uh, your mind. 
you do read my mind. Um, yeah, force disarm, man. It's 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 useless. Now, it's not the power that's useless. It's the disarm mechanic, actually. Now, don't get me wrong. Disarm is overpowered in some other systems. <laughs> D&D! <laughs> D&D! <clears throat> Excuse me, I had a frog <clears throat> in my throat. <clears> throat> Uh, but the uh, the plus ten to reflex defense um, it makes it way too hard, um, which is a shame because it, it's a it's a real nigh perfect way to end a fight and it's not violent. Another one of those great ways to 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 follow the code. Now, if you have improved disarm, the feat you know you get a plus five to your check, but hurrah, that plus five applies to an attack roll, and you are not making an attack roll. You are making a skill check. So by raw. Improved disarm does not apply to this power, or to, more appropriately, to use the force check when you're using this power. So, how can you use this effectively? Um, honestly, the best way would be in conjunction with your force stun. Um, you bring your foe down the condition track, and all of a sudden, their attack rolls and their their reflex defenses are, are down. Uh, you know, are just are just pushed down massively, and uh, pretty soon that plus ten to reflex defense becomes not that big of a deal. So, you know, if you force stun somebody and yank the weapon out of their hand, that's a pretty good way to end the fight, wouldn't you say, Dave? Yep. Yep. Or you can just get lucky like we did when those guys were across the ravine and rolling that 20. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was very bad. Yeah. Of course, um yeah. Yeah. For, for, for stun is awesome like that because you can literally with a high enough check drop someone in one hit, right. which is uh which it's, is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, it really is awesome. Yes. I seem to recall an, an NPC baddie actually doing that to your entire party, too. Uh, let's not go there. Okay. I won't go there. Fine, fine, fine. That's fine. Well, the last thing we really want to talk about this episode in regards to the Force is, is keeping the Force balanced. Um, and I'm going to talk about this very briefly, and I've, I've ranted and raved about this on the forum rather frequently in more than one aspect, and we're really going to discuss this again while we'll rant and rave more about it in episode, uh, excuse me, in part two, uh, in episode 10, uh, part two of the Force discussion. Keeping the Force balanced. Um, and I hope, I hope, really hope Rodney Thompson is listening, um, because this is a conclusion I've come to, and uh, disagree with me or not, guys, this is what I think. This is the first D20 system I have ever played, ever. I've played a lot. That mechanical balance is adjudicated through the use of fluff, through the use of role-playing constraints. What keeps a Jedi from using these amazing powers to just pwn everything in the universe and rule an entire planet? The code. The The code, because they have it. If you violate the code, you become a Sith. And according to the rules... At that point, they recommend you would lose control of your character. Effective character death. Yep. Pretty much. I was very uneasy with this at first, mostly because, you know, I grew up, I was weaned on D&D and, uh, you know, and several other role-playing systems where you just, you know, you take the rules and you beat each other over the head with them. You know, you know the, the DM and the, the players just beat each other over the head. Well, here, it's almost a return to the traditional GM role. The GM has the power again. It's just a beautiful thing to see. If your player, as a GM, uses the force irresponsibly, I mean, you know what? Yeah, you can walk into a fight and spam, force slam, and boom, in two rounds, take out an entire room. That is incredibly, incredibly aggressive. And it is, the as a first resort option, it would, you know, I mean, that, that violates the code immediately. Dark side point, bam. And uh, at least that's how I would run it. And I think it is a brilliant 
or and and <laughs> old school, but at the same time fresh route to have these role playing constraints keep the mechanics in balance because it allows for the GM to judge it accordingly based on the story, based on the encounter, and based on the game he or she is running. And to see that in such a well designed rule system, uh, you know, that that just hidden in there is um is really quite amazing. And uh big props to the devs for it. Big props. That's right. But we're gonna cover it more in part two, so be sure to tune in next episode. That's right. Definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, what are we going to move to now, Dave? Well, um, as luck would have it, we uh, received a communique from TK421 that he was being shipped off to a top-secret endeavor for the Empire, in quotation marks. So this kind of lends credence to Order 66 happening in the middle of Cody's postcard. But um, So he's not available uh, today. So... We're not going to be we're not going to be talking to him, but uh, we can still uh, move on because we do have a couple of uh, really uh, actually one good topic for the D twenty docking bay. So let's pop on in there. D twenty docking bay hosers. It don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. So, let's talk about charging. Let's talk about Twi'lek Goodness sending us an email about his GM that allows enemies to charge him, hit, and then withdraw. Mr. GM, I will turn the floor over to you. Oh, thank you, thank you, yes. And actually, Twi'lek Goodness, I believe, is a woman. Um, at least at least from her post. Ah, um, very nice. Where she refers to herself, and, and considering Twi'lek goodness, I, I think it's an appropriate name for a female. Absolutely. Um, but uh, to read her email verbatim, uh, GM Dave and GM Chris, um, help me out. My GM uh, has enemies in his campaign that will charge us, hit us, and then withdraw in the same turn to avoid attacks of opportunity later, uh, and avoid attacks of opportunity by doing so. Uh, this prevents us from using a full round attack against them our turn every single time. This doesn't seem right. Can you explain charging, and can I do this too? Uh, well, yes. Let's start with a brief explanation here. Um, and this is, of course, all there in the core rulebook, so we'll just do a brief encapsulation. Um, when you charge, uh, it's simply a standard action. This is one of the big changes from prior systems and prior, uh, prior D20 systems as well as the prior Star Wars system, um, where as a standard action, you can move up to your speed, but at least two squares, and then make an immediate melee attack. You get a plus two to the attack roll, but you take on the last two to your reflex defense until the beginning of the next round. Great. Spiffy. Withdraw. You can avoid any attacks of opportunity by leaving a threatened area by using the withdraw action. Withdraw action is simply a move action, and the only stipulation is that the first square of your movement must take you out of the threatened area um, through the shortest route possible, and you're, you're limited to half movement for that action. Well, so the short answer, basically, we have a standard action and a move action involved here. So yes, yes, you and he can legitimately do this. Um, in fact, this for melee attackers is actually um, often better than the running attack feat 
um, which of course lets you move before and after your attack. Mostly because with this method, you're actually going to get more movement per round out of it. Um, you know, because you're going to get your full movement, uh, you know, for, for charging, and then you're going to get half movement just for withdrawing. Whereas with running attack, you can't exceed your total, you know, base movement for the round. Um, so yeah, this is perfectly legitimate, and you can do it too. Uh, the shorter answer: your GM is a metagaming butthole. Uh, yes. If yeah, um, if his if all of his NPCs use this tactic uh, expressly for the expressed you know intent of preventing you guys from doing full attacks, then he is a piece of bantha poodoo who is metagaming and uh, using his own you know knowledge and tactics you know of you know metagame to keep you guys from 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 acting properly. And uh, I really think if that continues to be a problem, and that's really what he's doing, you need to sit down and talk to him about it because it is it is not right. That's right. Or have him listen to the cast and, you know, Chris just called him a butthole. So tell him to he come on the butthole. show and He's explain his actions. Explain your actions, pal. Right explain now. your actions, buddy. And explain them on our forums. Get onto the forums at www.d20radio.com slash forum and uh, sign up, post your mind, do all that. You can email myself at gmchrisd20radio.com or um, my ubiquitous friend gmdave at d20radio.com. No need or, to cuss there. No need to cuss. No need to cuss. Well, unless you really, really feel like it. But you can also give us a call um, at our Lusa line, which, of course, is 206-600-5872. Lusa. And uh, you can just kind of post your mind. And one last shout-out, Dave. Um, There's been a lot lot of posting, and a lot of our um, our forum members have have thanked us for for putting links up there. But we want to, again, recommend a couple of sites that we really feel are are heavily dedicated to uh, this game and post a lot of good content out there. There's our buddy Keith Garrett over at uh, LetTheWookieWin.com. Um, fantastic blog, uh, one of the better writers um, in the genre, in my opinion. And of course, there's Matt Lee and his crew of, uh, of user uh, fanboys with all amazing amounts of generated content um, at saga-edition.com. All available on the links page from the uh, d20radio.com. Absolutely, absolutely. So link it. Link it, link it, link it. Well, Dave... I think that's uh, all for this uh, overly long and uh, and uh, ponderous podcast. Some would call it a wrap, and we've Some gone would. for just about an hour. Almost. Wow. Well, thanks, guys, for listening, and uh, we can't wait to talk to you next week. So for uh, d20radio.com, for the Order 66 podcast, for myself and GM Dave, peace, love, and good gaming. Keep those dice a-rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. This is Django Fett, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Damn Jedis.